0: So it's good to see you again. Um, we're continuing on in our summer series with regards to hope for fruitful service. As you know, uh, Pastor Rod has introduced us to the gift that keeps on giving, uh, the gift of mercy. You know, mercy, by the way, is, um, is a gift that is also imparted to us by the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit that dwells in you who named the name of Christ. Um, In other words, all Christians receive at least one gift the moment they surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in their lives and they receive the forgiveness of their sins. And perhaps you may recall this, but we've said that Scripture teaches us in Ephesians chapter 4, Verse 8 in particular, it says, to each one of us, that's you, the church, the body of Christ, the local church, to each one of us, grace was what? It was given. It was given. And then it says this, according to the measure of Christ's gift. That is to say, God has freely portioned out, I think you've heard that before, freely portioned out or measured out graced or grace gifts to his people. Again, that's you. And that the grace that's measured out that's been given to me, it differs in degree to the grace that's been measured out to to you. It's different. That's why giftedness differs from person to person. And so the gift that, that you receive or That I receive, it's it's measured out and it's, it's to be used within the local body of Christ. You are the church. That's why, you know, I sort of scratched my head and I asked the question of my own heart and even to your heart and perhaps you're not serving and I have to ask, well, why? Because you've been given a gift from above, a grace gift from above in and to serve within the local body so that others may receive the blessings of your giftedness. And since a person's giftedness differs within the body, then you know no one person can fulfill your purpose in the church. In other words, you're not replaceable. You're not replaceable. You are not expendable. You are not disposable. You and I were created by God for a purpose, and only you can fulfill that role. And purpose in the church. I can't fulfill your giftedness in the church. And you can't fulfill mine. There's a role and purpose for you within this body. I can't fulfill it. You can't fulfill it. And so if you're not here, no one else can fill that slot. You see that? No one can fill that slot. Only you can fulfill that. Because you have have been um, bestowed upon a gift. A uniquely You're you're uniquely wired a certain way, and you serve within the framework of how the Lord has measured out that gift for you in the church. Ultimately, it's a measured out divine stewardship, really. That's what it is. It comes down to a stewardship. And perhaps one example I think should should suffice in, in Matthew 25. In Matthew 25, our Lord gave to his disciples... A story or a parable. It's about a man going on a journey. And it says again, it would be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. Wouldn't you like that? <laughs> to another, two bags, and to another, one bag. Each, listen to this, note that phrase, each according. To his ability. And then he went on his journey. Stop there for a second. This uh, parable is a description of Christ who goes away on a journey. He goes away on a journey and the servants represent believers, you. And you are all given gifts. Every single one of you. You're all given gifts. But here they're called a talent. It's called a talent. All of them have been entrusted with God's wealth and each having been entrusted with differing responsibilities. But since God knows his people and he knows you very intimately, very well, what he gives to you is all measured out. And note Matthew 25, quote, each according to his what? What? to his ability, to his ability. (laughs) I mean, so all you got to do at that point is just ask yourself the question, what then is our excuse, right? We got no excuse. What then is our excuse since God knows exactly what we can and can't handle in terms of our stewardship before him? We've got no excuse. He's already went before us. In other words, it's not that we can't be faithful with the wealth that God has gifted us with—I'm I'm talking about the spiritual gifts that he's, he's given to us It's not that we can't be faithful with what He's given to us, but we have no excuse before our Creator because God has graciously measured everything out again. What each according to His or her what ability? We've got—we've got we've no. I mean, we're 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 in a corner, right? We painted ourselves, God has painted us into a corner. We've got no excuse. And so for those of us here who've been bestowed with a heart of giving, I'm sure you've met them a time or two, right? We're going to be looking at, well, Lord willing, the spiritual gift of giving. And having said that, I mean, this is, this is not a, a, a backdoor excuse for any of us who don't wish to give because it's not, you know, your spiritual gift, right? I, don't, I can't give. It's just not my spiritual gift. I'm just going to hoard it all. Right? But it is to say that if, if we are able and willing to give to a particular need, we ought to do so to help others, especially within the household of faith. Who's within the household of faith again? All of you. All of you. And so moving on from this point, I just want to consider some additional Passages of scripture for us to sort of, you know, to gnaw on, to, uh, to chew on. And so I just want to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 5 through 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 5 through 8. I'm just going to go ahead and read the passage. And then afterwards, I just want to just provide some context for that particular passage. I think I have this in the PowerPoint. Yay, there it is. Sweet. That's the s- spiritual gift of yay. so listen to what Paul says he says I thought it necessary to urge the brethren that they would go on ahead to you and arrange beforehand your previously promised bountiful gifts so that the same would be ready as a bountiful gift and not affected by covetousness see that that's that's a real possibility now this I say he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. It goes on, he says, each one, who's that? Each one, all of us, right? Each one must do so just as he is purposing his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion. You, you feel like you have to do it, right? For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to, to you. So that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. And so, with the time that's remaining, can we at least consider four things? Can we, as we look at, the, at, at, at this particular text, let's look at four essential attributes of giving. Four essential attributes attributes of giving so that I would hope that we would come to a better understanding of our giftedness within the body while in service to your king, our king of of glory. And let's let's look at the first point. The first point, I think, provides a context into the spiritual gift of giving. And the remaining three, we're going to look at that in a little bit, just gives us action steps to walk out uh, the gift. And the first aspect of giving is simply this. The first aspect is this generosity is presumed It's presumed for who? All of you. And I'm included in that. Generosity is presumed for Christians. There are some gifts that God has given you that others may not have. That's a given, right? And so it follows that we would not function well in said area or position that does not suit our giftedness. I mean, that seems to follow, seems to make sense, right? I mean, why would you try to fit a square peg into a round hole, you know that's not going to work, right? (laughs) It's it's not going to work. And so it's okay if the Lord has not given to you a particular gift of of leading or a special gift or teaching. It's okay that you don't have a particular gift or it's all right. And so the question that we should ask ourselves is whether we are okay with that. Are you okay that you don't possess Said gift that someone else may have. Are you okay with that? That can be hard. I think it's, I think we've all struggled with that a time or two. I mean, I raise this point because I believe that we can be, um, discontented. Can I say that? We can be discontented with how the Lord has spiritually wired us. I mean, we look at someone working in said ministry or somewhere else, and, and at times, I know that you know this, I know that you can relate to this. You, you see someone working, working hard, and it's, you know, crossed your mind, I wish I could be like what? Like that person, right? And what happens? You start to, you know, you start to compare yourself to said person with said giftedness, and you get a little envious, you get a little, you know, jealous, and you, you know, begin to question why you're wired the way you're wired, and, you know, what are we doing at that point? Can, you, can we all agree that, If at that moment that that's going on, we are neither satisfied, do I dare say that? We're not satisfied, we're neither trusting, neither thankful with how the Lord wired us or with what the Lord has gifted us with. I mean, really? Do we really question the creator and what he's bestowed upon us and measured out and portioned out and and then we just question him? When we compare ourselves to one another, I do that a time or two, I know I do. Do you? And when it comes to all, you know, Christians and generosity, generosity is presumed because it's commanded by God to do so. It's an expectation. It's an expectation of all Christians. In other words, we'd, I think we'd be hard-pressed to make any excuse for our lack of generosity. If God has blessed you, for instance, if God has blessed you financially, and your brother that you are fully aware of and you have the means to do so, he's heading out or she's heading out to the mission field and, and, and this person is asking for support. Could we really argue that God placed you in his accounts receivable department and that the brother or sister in need should call upon someone from accounts payable instead? I mean, do we really want to go there? I mean, how, I mean, how do you think that will shake out? How do you think that's going to shake out? I mean, what about if someone sees you (laughs) on your cell phone, on your iPhone, which is, you know, quite expensive, depending on the kind of iPhone you get, but for the most part, it's all expensive. You 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 have the means. You're playing Candy Crush or whatever game you have, and he asked you to help, or said a person asked you to help them carry a grocery bag or two, or for instance, I'm trying to think of a better example, I mean, can you really say sorry? I just don't have the gift of generosity to help you. I mean, can you really? I mean, you're probably going to get, I think, the stare. Right? <laughs> you're probably just going to get the stare. <laughs> all I'm saying. All I'm saying. <laughs> I don't know why I picked that one. I don't know why I picked that one. I should have picked something better. Maybe I should have picked the picture of Jonathan Lambeth just staring at everybody. You know? All I'm saying is that there are a number of passages that demonstrate the, the universe. I have a sense of humor, okay? So, you know, stop me. It's the gift is the gift that keeps on giving. All I'm saying is that there are a number of passages in Scripture that demonstrate the universality of generosity among Christians, remember what the Apostle, uh, the Apostle John said in 1 John chapter 3. He says, he says, we know love by this, that he laid down his life for who? For us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has the world's goods, right? In other words, you know that you have the means. The Lord has blessed you. Wired you a certain way. You just have sort of like this this accountingness in your mind. You're, wired, you're able to accumulate money and surplus. You're just good at what you do. And, and you're better at, the, better at it than other people. You have this world's goods, and you see his brother in need and close his heart against him. How does the love of God abide in that person? You see that? And he says, little children, little children, let us not love with word or with tongue, but indeed and in what? In truth. In truth. not we, we 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 gotta be better at not being so covetous, right? In other words, we if we're aware of another brother or sister in, in Christ, there's a need, yet are unwilling to sacrificially give out of our surplus, how does the love of God abide in that person? And the question, the way it's written, it's it's written. In this linguistic kind of way of stating what is obvious, it means the love of God isn't in that person. That's that's it's it's obvious, it's rhetorical, it's it's obvious. I mean look don't shoot the messenger. I'm just, I'm just letting you know what the scripture says, you know, the stare. Right? The stare. <laughs> part and parcel, all right, part and parcel of laying down our lives. Is that of generosity? It's generosity in giving. If you have it, especially those whom the Lord has prepared and hardwired with the use of their spiritual giftedness. Christ functions as ultimately the model of generosity. It's, it's Him to whom we serve, it's Him to whom is our model, to whom we look to. We know what giving is and how it's displayed because God loved the world in this way. Why? He gave, right? He gave. So simple, right? Well, then why is it so hard for us to give then? Right? I I just pray it never grows cold. I pray that Christ, functioning as the model of generosity to us in salvation, He's the banner of truth for us. We lay under under the banner of His grace and I hope it just never grows cold. Because in the giving of His Son to those who are the recipients of eternal life was God's superlative model, Christ, of giving and sacrifice, of his, of his time, his, his talents, his, his treasures, and not only do we know love by what Jesus did as his passage states, we, we know generosity because of Christ's life. Christ's life, it functions as the agent of what? Of Generosity. Christ functions as the agent of generosity. We just he's he's given us so much, church. He's given us so much. Ought we not to exemplify to the best use of what he's imparted to us, the gift he's gift or gifts he's given to us to impart that kind of grace to others within the local body? I mean it's it's imparted to us through the Spirit. I mean, we just looked at, you know, the broad command to give, but we need to narrow our focus a bit to the gift itself. I mean, we've read this before. I think uh, Pastor Rod has given this before, and I've given it. I believe also um, Brent has been here to give that, and that's in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. You've read this before, perhaps privately, or have you heard it here before? It says, since we have gifts... Right? that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise, unless you get the stare, right? them accordingly, if prophecy according to proportion of his faith, if service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who ex- exhorts in his ex- exhortation, if you don't do that, you get the stare. Right? <laughs> he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy, right? he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. It just goes on. You know, two weeks ago, we for those of you who were here, we had the opportunity to sort of do the best we can to um, categorize the miraculously gifted men who had unique authenticating. Gifts that confirmed that they were messengers of God. Remember that? And then once these apostles, these these prophets who carried that particular office, once they passed off the stage of history, so did their authenticating gifts and are no longer in use in this church age. We've talked about that, the gift of prophecy, healing working of miracles, languages, actual languages, actual languages. Unless you disagree, you'll get the stare. (laughs) You get the stare. And then we looked at the permanent edifying gifts, teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership, mercy, serving, administration, wisdom, knowledge, faith, deserting of spirits. And so when it comes to the more in this church age, right, And I have already said there is going to be another uh, miracle age to come. And all you need to do is, you know, read the book of Revelation. When Christ comes and brings forth his kingdom, it's going to be a very different world. (laughs) It's going to be a very different world. But we are living now in the church age, differing gifts within the church age. When it comes to the more permanent and edifying gifts, those who have a spiritual gift of giving will display a unique level. I mean, a unique level of liberality. They stand out. I mean, it's, probably, it's primarily used to convey a, a sincerity or genuine, a genuineness of heart, but also it, it includes generosity. There's extraordinarily generous people. We've seen all kinds of, of these people in the church throughout the years, whether you're from this church or, or, somewhere, or somewhere else. At some point, you've seen those, those gifted individuals just traversing the church. They're eager to offer up their God-given abilities when given the opportunity, but they're also really shrewd and discerning in the sense that they want to make sure that their gift of, of money is not squandered away. They want to make sure that it's used properly. And this gift also seems to be close closely associated with the gift of hospitality. In other words, they not only want to give, but they also want to share what they have with others. And you have these people, they're also seen in opening up their homes and sharing of their homes with others. I mean, I know a family over at Faith East who we were invited over to their home and they opened up their home to us. We had a chance to ride in their in their in their boat around the, the area. Just, I mean, just it their giftedness just absolutely just stands out. They have the means, and they want to share it with others in the church. I'm sure you know some people like that, right? They're just absolutely exemplary in that particular area of, of their giftedness. And they great examples. I mean, these are the ones they're just described. They're described in Romans chapter 12, verse 16, where they are, quote-unquote, contributing to the needs of what? Of the saints. Of the saints. Contributing to the needs of the saints. And then it says this, practicing hospitality. Hospitality. Again, I can personally attest to God's providence insofar as me having, having to personally interact with these gifted people in the household of faith, of faith over the years. I know that you have. I know that you have. I mean, cars were given to me when I was out in California. Cars for free for free. Yes, those people exist. They saw a need, and I, you know, I figured I was going to pay monthly payments, and the person decides to say, listen, we just want to give this to you. This is from, you know, the Lord has blessed us with, with this, and we just wanted to give this to you. <laughs> I mean, just complete, just, whoa, just shock. Just absolute shock. But having said that, there's also this, a warning, can I say that, that's associated with what comes with our fallenness, can I say to take heed? Because it can be spoiled through covetousness. Our giving can be spoiled through covetousness. Covetousness. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 5, it says, so, you know, I thought it necessary to urge the brethren That they would go on ahead to you and arrange beforehand your previously promised bountiful gift so that the same would be ready as a bountiful gift. And then it says this, and and it's not affected by covetousness. It's not affected by covetousness. In other words, prepare beforehand. Prepare beforehand. I don't want the gift that you're going to give to be affected by covetousness because we're fallen individuals. We're, We're saved sinners. Right? Agree? We're saved sinners. We're still growing, yes. We're still learning, yes. We're still being sanctified, yes. We still make mistakes. Yes, yes. Pastors make mistakes too, yes. <laughs> we are. We make mistakes. We make mistakes. But embrace the logic of giving. We've got to try. Pray. We have the Spirit in us. We ask the Lord, Lord, please help us to have faith, to give, to give, to give. And to those who have the spiritual gift, they are our examples, don't you think? Don't you think? 2 Corinthians 9.6. 9, 6. Now this I say, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap Bountifully, in other words, view your resources as a means, not an end. view your resources as a means, and not an end. I mean, look at you know you look at verse six. It makes reference to a seed, a seed. Okay, just you can look at that and just look at some options. You can number one, we could use it to sustain ourselves, and that's a given, right? We can use it to sustain ourselves, or number two, we could squander. We could squander it. We could just let it rot. Number three, we could, or we could plan it. We could plan it and let's just, you know, look at the first one. The, the Lord has created us as dependent creatures on, upon him. We are dependent upon him for our sustenance, for everything. We live and move and have our being in the Lord. I, I'm wired a certain way. I, the reason why I can do the things I can do because ultimately I am dependent upon my creator And if he wanted to take away something from me, he could at any point in time, at any moment, right? My steps, your steps are ordered by who? By the Lord. We need food, shelter, water, clothing. We can use a modest modest amount of, of what the Lord has given to us to ensure that we have what's required to sustain us. There's even occasions to even just enjoy the excess that the Lord, of the Lord's blessing in our lives. Sometimes he'll give us an excess so we can enjoy those things, so that, that, you, that you and I can be reminded of who? Ultimately, of him. Look at what I've given to you in excess. So yes, you can, of course you can buy things for yourself, right? <laughs> of course you can buy things for yourself. The goodness of God, what? It leads to Repentance. I don't deserve this. Oh, God, you've given me so much. I'm so thankful. And I hope that those reminders would, would remind us to be more giving, right? To be more giving. To not just just hoard it all. You've seen, you've seen the TV show Hoarders, right? Good night. We all have a little hoarder in us. All of us. All of us do. We all have a little hoarder in us. Some more so than others. I say that because it's, it's easy to go ahead and lay blame. We need to immediately just point that finger right back. <laughs> point that finger right back. Covetousness can lead to us to consume more than what it's, what's pleasing to Christ. And I don't know what that may be for you. I don't know what that may be for you because each one of us have impediments, according to Hebrews, of impediments and sins that slow us down in the race that set before us and second each of us are guilty of squandering to some degree or another the seed or the talent our lord has given to us and perhaps we need to to take a look at some inventory of our lives right perhaps we need to look at some inventory perhaps a little less purchasing of goods perhaps maybe a little less spending in whatever area that happens to tickle our fancy i know what those are in my life do you i'm pretty sure you do I mean, or how about third? How about this one? Third and last. We can, we can plant something. We can plant something. We can plant that which the Lord has given to us, and there are obvious many ways to accomplish this that produce lasting fruit. You, we, can, we could, I mean, just, just think of it off the top of your head. We could invest um, in the gospel through support of, you know, missionaries or giving your time towards evangelism, whatever it is in the church, right? Invest in, in Christ's bride in, in, in some way or fashion through involvement and sacrificial giving in the church, the stated purpose for spiritual gifts in the first place, right? I mean, you can invest, we can invest in the lives of others with your time, talent, uh, treasure, freely given to any who are in need. I mean, does this, I mean, I don't know, does this get you thinking a little bit through the use of your giftedness? Perhaps there's somebody um, who's hurting and you ha- happen to have, a, you're just wired a certain way, you're just so stinking gracious, and you come alongside this person to just be an encouragement to said person who's just going through a very difficult time. Right? Do that. But how about this, how about this for a, a caveat? Let me just say this. This isn't a... Um, A health, wealth, um, prosperity message. Can I say that? This isn't a health, wealth, prosperity message. I'm not suggesting, all right? I'm not suggesting that if you plant a seed of $20 into Faith Church, you're going to go ahead and reap $100, let me get $40, you yes sir, you right there in the back. $50, praise the Lord for you. You're gonna get fifty thousand dollars. Oh, the Lord said you're gonna get one hundred thousand in your pocket next year. It's not what I'm saying. In fact, if I ever say that, you all can give me the stare. Right? You all can give me the stare. <laughs> Just take me out here in a skyhook, Lord, please. It's a good day for a rapture. Invest in the gospel through supporting missionaries, right? I mean, whatever. God's promise. God's promise is that those who sow bountifully will reap bountifully. You may know what you sow, but God doesn't say what you'll reap, right? Can I say that again? You may know what you sow, But God doesn't say what you will reap. He knows what to give you. I mean, that ball is in his (laughs) courts, And honestly, he knows better than we do, right? It's like Luther said, grant the Holy Spirit the honor of being more learned than you are. (laughs) You may generously give of your time to the, of, in a homeless shelter. You're, you're shamelessly proclaiming the gospel to anyone and everyone in there. But what you may reap from your perception of things may very well be the re- re- rejection and, a, and job loss, perhaps. God may be using you as a blunt tool, perhaps, to break ground for the gospel, and he may have allowed you to lose your job for the purpose of gaining incomparable wisdom. I mean, I can't give you the specifics, right? But I can give you the promise, and I can at least say that you can trust God with all that you have. I can at least say that. I could say that. Listen to what this one author said. He said this. He, says, he said, reluctance to so generously then reflects a refusal to trust that God is all-sufficient and all-gracious. It also assumes that we can have that we can only give when we are prospering and have something extra that we will not need for ourselves, Paul says that at all times, God provides us with all that we need so that there is never any time when we can't be generous. Listen, if you can't say amen, you can say ouch, right? (laughs) It's like Vodipaka would say, if you can't say amen, you can at least say ouch. I mean, just as the farmer entrusts his crop, the Lord as he puts it in the ground, just as the farmer has no control over the weather or to make it rain in order for his or her crops to grow, just as the farmer entrusts his crops into the hand of the Lord. So we ought to, right? So we ought to entrust whatever outcome is in the hands of the Lord, and he'll provide what's necessary as we employ our gifts in the local church. And there's a sense in which I feel as though, I mean, I'm preaching to the choir here, maybe. Yet there, there seems to be a number of, of us, perhaps, who, who simply don't serve. And, and they give excuse after excuse for not serving. It just boggles my mind. It boggles my mind. Look, I understand that, I understand that there are certain circumstances that, that impede it. I, I, I kind of, I, I think I get it. Do we readily understand how that would fly before the face of our Lord? I mean, just think about it. When the Lord gives, let's think about it. When the Lord gave his gift of grace to you and me, it, it follows that we all will make use of those gifts. I mean, that's a pretty good assumption, right? If he gives you a gift, you're saved, you get a gift. It's assumed that he expects you to use it. Right? I mean, it seems to follow logically. Second, I'm mean, entrusted if you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. And then this gives gets us to our third point. Strive for proper giving motivations. Strive for proper giving motivations. In verse 5, we see Paul setting up the 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 bountiful gift that the Corinthian uh, church had promised um, to give at an an undisclosed time prior, and after reciting a proverb of sorts in verse six, he picks up where he left off in verse five, and he urges the church to act upon their conviction. Act! Look! Act upon it! Just, just, just run! (laughs) Just get out of the cage and just run! Act upon conviction. Each each one, each one must do. I think that's messed up there. Each, see, look, see, whoever did that did not have the gift of not no, no. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart. Since generosity is an overflow of a Christian's life, the Spirit will convict, right? The Spirit will convict. Will either convict him or her. When a need is presented, and, and though that may be the case experientially, it's not necessarily what Paul is really talking about here. This purposing in one's heart, this purposing in one's heart, has more to do with a standing conviction. It's, it's a standing conviction, a pre predetermination toward generosity that serves as a credo in a Christian's life. Christ has been generous with me, and I will be generous with with others, Christ has been generous with me, and I will be generous with others. I mean, that's a flag. We, that's a flag that we can fly, right? I, mean, I think we can all just just grab onto that banner and just, just fly that flag. I mean, we can say yes, amen. And while God has given uh, given our uh, church several who have the spiritual gift of giving, all of us really are expected to to give, right? All of us are expected to live genuinely, generously to do, but to do that, we need to repent of improper giving motivations. We need to repent of improper giving motivations. If you give, don't give, don't give, don't give grudgingly. Don't give under compulsion. We've all done it, right? <laughs> I don't know how you throw your money in the coffer, or, you know, the, the little plate that, you know, passes on through, just like, I don't know. Maybe you don't even do that. It's in your heart. You don't want anyone to know, right, what's inside, right? I could use that 20 bucks. I could use that $20. I don't want to give it. I don't want to give it. Right? right? We've all done it, right? Story of begrudgery, asking for, for moving help, complaining the entire time. <laughs> oh, good night. I mean, you complain the entire time. You, you grudge. You don't want to help the person move, but you're just like, Ugh. Give to someone in need, constantly bringing it up after the fact, right? And when we see this in ourselves, we need to repent. Oh, Lord. Sorry for not, just forgive me, oh, Lord, for not trusting in your provisions, not trusting you more, not trusting you more. Can we do the best we can to be a cheerful giver? <laughs> can we do the best we can within how do I say that? Eh, be a cheerful giver. Simple. Why? Because God loves a cheerful what? Loves a cheerful giver. Give in faith. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. Your time, your talents, just give. Here's a quote from Roth, another one. Here about this one. In the Old Testament, In the Old Testament, giving reluctantly or under compulsion is portrayed as canceling out any benefit that could be received from the gift while giving with a glad heart, promised reward from God. Wow, right? (laughs) Again, if you can't say amen, you can say ouch. Give generously to him and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in everything you put your hand to. Put your hand to. Scripture assumes that what is crucial is the attitude of the one who gives, not the amount. Not the amount. God, who knows and appraises our hearts, values only those gifts that come as a free expression of the deepest part of our souls. The Lord knows our hearts. The Lord knows our hearts. if it's, if it's truly better to give than to receive, as Jesus did, he did say that, and then, then joy is the natural byproduct, right, of giving. This is just a byproduct of giving. Make a predetermined commitment to live generously. Repent of all forms of begrudgery or compulsion in your giving, but ensure that you're motivated by joy in your generosity. Look to the source and example of your giving. Look to the source and example of your giving. I have to land this plane. I'm trying to land it. Earlier, I'd mentioned that Christ is both the model and he's the agent of generosity. We know what giving is because because Christ, because of his, because of who he is himself, and we're able to display generosity by his spirit to work in us. And the final verse in our passage just really just drives these points home in in this way. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. For every good deed. This land is plain. Draw from the source of all giving through his abounding grace. Look, we are only able to be generous with others because God has been generous with us. Men and women who have the spiritual gift of giving seem to abound seem to in this ex, exemplifying gift of, of, of grace in giving, but those who struggle with giving can lack in dispensing grace to others, which goes to show you can only draw water from a well that's filled, right? You can only draw water from a well that is filled. Let me give you one more, and I'll just go ahead and, and close. Model the ultimate example of giving. Model the ultimate example of giving. I could say a lot more on that. I don't want to get the stare. I don't want to get the stare. So that you may have an abundance for every good deed. Am I going too fast there? You see that? Model the ultimate example of giving. Do, not, do you not say there are yet four months and then come the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. They are already white for harvest. Already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. Let's just rejoice together. All of us have been given gifts. We work together, right? We're all fellow compatriots in the local church on our way to the celestial city of grace. So let's just come together and use that. And if we don't use it, then let's let's just give each other the stare, right? Oh, Lord of heaven, you are good. Thank you, Lord, for your grace gifts. May we use those gifts in the church for the glory of your great name. In Jesus' name, amen.